$1,000 was... He's the king of kung fu. Hi, this is Sylvia Rorum, also known as Achilles Girl. Hi, this is Steve of Chopsticks on Fire. And you're listening to One Arm Podcast. A podcast about Asian action cinema by two Hong Kong action film geeks. The views and opinions expressed on One Arm Podcast do not reflect those of management and staff at the Podcast on Fire Network, or probably anywhere else for that matter. You can find Podcast on Fire at podcastonfire.com and Podcast on Fire at googlemail.com. Registration on the Podcast on Fire Network website forum is currently closed. If you're already a forum member, you can still hang out there. Uh, discussions about the podcasts on network are currently migrating to Facebook, uh, so you can head over to the Podcast on Fire Network page at facebook.com forward slash podcast on fire. Or you can go to the Podcast on Fire Facebook group, just type in Podcast on Fire, request an invite, and an admin will approve you. There you can interact with the podcast hosts and with Ken, and with us. We're on the group page too, so come on over and chat. We're also on twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. You can also subscribe to the entire network through iTunes, as well as rate, review, and download previous episodes there as well. And we're on Stitcher, the streaming application for desktop and smartphone. One Arm Podcast also has a blog that serves as a visual companion piece to our episodes. That's onearmpodcast.blogspot.com. On the blog, you'll be able to see articles, photos, videos, and other stuff that will enhance the podcast experience. We're also on Twitter under One Armed Podcast, so be sure to follow us there. Also, our email address is onearmedpodcast at yahoo.com. And if you want to read my blog, which isn't very active right now, I'm at Achilles Girl in Actionland, and that's achillesgirl.blogspot.com. That's A-C-H-I-L-L-E-S-G-I-R-L.blogspot.com. And if you want to check out my blog, you can find it at chopsticksonfire.blogspot.com, which is updated weekly with reviews, columns, and articles. That's chopsticksonfire.blogspot.com. Also, I have a Facebook page which is dedicated to um, stuff. <laughs> I don't know. The Ladies Asian Action Cinema Appreciation Society. It's on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Heroic Sisterhood, where me and a bunch of other ladies get together and talk about Asian action cinema. Yeah, and I'm on Facebook as well. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash Stephen Hardy 86. So feel free to add me anytime. This episode, we have a really awesome movie. It's the 1977 Bruce Lee clone movie, Dragon Lives Again. Oh, yes. Bruce Lung Siulong. Yeah. I looked uh, on the Chinese internet for information about this, and my favorite quote for this movie, and I think it sums it up, is the most giant rotten and the best damn pseudo Bruce Lee movie. (laughs) And I think that that sums it up, you know? Oh, yeah, that, that pretty much describes it right down to a T for me, personally, I think. While we were working on the Profile and Anger episode, which is going to be coming up next, where we're going to have a lot of guests and whatever, and that's a bigger project, which is why it's not coming out now. But while we were working on that, Steve and I found out that we both like Dragon Lives Again. And nobody talks about this movie. 
No, no, the don't. The don't. Not at all. Not I at all. I don't know why, because it's so... It's the most giant rotten and the best damn pseudo-Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult to find one that is, is off the wall and, and strange as, as this one. Exactly. I think. And this is why I love it, and we're going to talk about it. I may accidentally spoil this movie, because I'm bad at that, and I apologize, but I can't mm. myself. I'm going to try not to. I don't think this is like a big drama where... We have to be really careful about not spoiling it. Oh, no, no, not at all, not at all. And there's also one other uh, warning, and that is that we're going to talk about sex, boobs. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot in this movie. Yeah, uh, more than that is needed, but it's in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of gratuitous boobs. Some of it is essential to the plot, some of the sex. And it's not even to the level of soft porn here, but we are going to have to talk about it. So, you know, cover your Puritan ears if, if you don't like that. <laughs> but we're going forward with that. So the movie is Dragon Lives Again, also yeah. known as Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. I've never seen it under that title, but apparently... Mm, neither have I. Yeah, it's being released with that name somewhere, maybe. Maybe a long time ago. In China, the original title is Lee's Three Legs Shake the Underworld. <laughs> that just perfectly encapsulates the film for me. Lee's Three Legs Shake the Underworld. You know... Yeah, what I think that they mean by that is that Lee's third leg shakes the underworld. <laughs> I mean, oh. I think that's where we're going with this film. Oh. And I think that, that they actually mean third leg. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to wonder what the Bruce Lee estate thought when they saw that poster. <laughs> totally. Totally. So, Lung Siu Lung stars in this accidentally absurd martial arts comedy as a superhero-type Bruce Lee who battles the king of hell and evil western movie stars. The film throws in so many strange ideas that it shouldn't work, and it doesn't, but what we're left with is definitely one of the more memorable Bruce Lee Cole movies out there. This is a 1977 film. It, the theatrical run was in March. Um, got that information from Baidu.com. This is a Gold Dig film, and Gold Dig has a website, golddigfilms.com.hk. They started in the late 1960s. They originally distributed international movies. I don't know what that means exactly. Um, between 1970 and 1983, they handled the production and distribution of over 150 Hong Kong and overseas movies. And that's a quote from their website. So Goldig has done a couple notable productions and also maybe they're famous for Chow Yun-Fat's first, very first movie contract was with them in 1976. Some notable Goldig productions, Tiger Over the Wall, Mm -hmm. They also produced uh, Two on the Road, which is a really good uh, sort of old-school martial arts comedy with uh, Lungayan and Kofi. And they also produced Mantis Fists and Tiger Claws of Shaolin, which is a very strange martial arts film. I'm not going to go into why it's strange, but uh, if you want to check that out, then I would strongly suggest you get your hands on a copy as soon as possible. They also distributed Country Bumpkins, which I love that series, Country Bumpkins. It's kind of mm. for kids, and yeah. I love it. And they also distributed Thundering Mantis. Oh, yes. So they did something right there. Oh, yeah. And we can thank them for Chow Yun-Fat, so, you know, it's all good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
And you know, when I went to the website, I just need to throw this in. I went to the website. Mm-hmm. They have a couple links. They have only about four links in English, and one of them is our friend Neil Koch, his website, Hong Kong Film Net. So I thought that was awesome for them to have his site on there. So yeah. go Neil. Oh yeah, yeah. So this was produced by Alex Go HitQ, and it's written and directed by Law K, who was a very prolific director. And we're going to talk about him later on. Yep. But first, before we discuss the movie, let's see how we can see the movie. What's the availability? Right. Well, there's several ways to to get your hands on the film. Uh, in the US, it's very easy. Uh, the film has just been given a re-release by a label called CFS Releasing. Uh, you can get it for between five to ten dollars on Amazon. Um, in the UK, it was released by Vengeance Video, but since the collapse of that label, the DVD since gone out of print. So you might want to hunt around on eBay or even Amazon for for an copy. As I said before, in the US, it's it's been released before. It was released as part of a box set called Bruce Lee Return of the Dragon, which also includes End of the Game of Death, which is another Bruce Lee clone movie, Bruce Lee Star of Stars, which is a documentary, and Mission for the Dragon, which is another Bruce Lee clone movie. You can get that for, used for about $5, but it comes with a bunch of other movies as well, so it's probably worth putting down your money for that. You know, $5, that's, that's nothing really. And the other uh, version you can get is part of another box set which is the ultimate dragon collection it comes with nine other movies uh, another one which stars bruce uh, lung is called kung fu superman uh, which was one of uh, bruce lung's early uh, movies as a star and also as an action director and also it was funnily enough his brother lung siu hung's uh, first movie as an action director or co-action director anyway you can get that from amazon under 10 bucks new or used for under five dollars so that's Again, probably worth your money because you get more movies with it. Nine movies. Yeah, this ultimate whatever it is, I have that, but it's only four movies. So is it? Is it all on one disc? Nine movies? Um, no, I think That's it's crazy. Enough. Yeah, it's gotta be two or three discs. Yeah. Maybe I just got the one. Well, I have to go up to the other one because I'm such a Long Siu Long fan. Mm-hmm. I will see anything, no matter how crappy it is. Yeah. That's actually how I discovered this movie was because I saw the ultimate whatever four pack. Yeah. Which I thought was a four pack, and yeah. um. And I saw that Long Sulung was in one of the movies, and that's how I ended up getting this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was through that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is such a crappy version. The cropping is terrible. Yeah. The dub is horrible. There's some blackouts where the print just disappears and comes back. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's awful. But I was so fascinated with Dragon Lives Again when I saw it. I thought, oh my god, I would need to try to find another version, a yeah. better version. The CFS version that you mentioned just came out in June. Yeah. It yeah. just came out this year, mm-hmm. so I, I bought it and um, found out that it is exactly what I have on the Ultimate 4 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't very happy about that yeah. because yeah. it's crap. It's total shit. Yeah, yeah. The, the UK DVD is not much better. It's cropped to hell and it's dubbed over badly, but interestingly enough, for some reason, Vengeance Video thought it needed to include a, the Mandarin language track, but they didn't include subtitles. They did this with a number of their titles. I think it's because they just couldn't afford to do remastered subtitles or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I don't speak Mandarin, so it's kind of like, it's, it's useless to me, but I suppose, you know, if you wanted to watch the film in, in its original language, so to speak, that's probably the version that you could probably hunt down. 
one if you wanted to do right. that. Right, and that's that I haven't seen, and I do want to see the Mandarin version at some point because I think it would. Well, anything is better than yeah. dub. And actually, I have that on my Buddhist Fist DVD. Has that where it has the dub yeah. version, and yeah. then it has the Cantonese version yeah. with no subtitles. So I think again, you're right. They just didn't want to pay for subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, this movie was very hard to get in China up until fairly recently. Right. They then got it, and they actually seem to have a better copy than we have, which yeah. really pisses me off. Yeah, you, you showed me some of the screen caps. It was it seemed to be in full widescreen. There was no cut off, and it seemed to be in better condition as well. Which you know. Yeah, and I I saw a lot on the Chinese internet bloggers who. Um, are posting a lot of screen caps, and the majority that I saw were cropped on either side, but not at the top. Mm -hmm. And our versions are cropped at the top. So, yeah. and also we both saw on kungfucinema.com their screen caps were widescreen. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm dying over here. I, oh yeah. I want to have it. I want to have yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the availability right now. Is basically you know you can get it from these crappy U.S. ones that are dubbed. <laughs> If you're lucky enough to get the Mandarin, then, you know, get yeah. it. But it's worth it. I own two copies, and why? Why would I do that? <laughs> this is the most amazing movie ever. Oh, yeah. I'm not even a Bruce Lee clone movie fan at all. I don't really like them, you know? This movie is is just incredible. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a special one. It's a special one, that's for sure. It's special. So before we talk about the total specialness of this movie, it is a Bruce Lee clone movie. Yes, yes it primarily. is. Primarily. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not a big fan. I don't watch a whole lot of them. I watched a couple and I was like, and I don't want to really watch them anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, luckily I am, so I, su I suppose I should, uh, for the people listening at home who may not be aware why this movie exists, I guess I'll just do a, like, a brief overview of, of why exactly this, this film exists. Well... It falls within a subgenre of films which fans have dubbed Bruce Bloitation. These are films which use the name and image of Bruce Lee in order to make money after he died. There were dozens of movies made that fall into that category, and a lot of actors were given the name Bruce in an attempt to fool moviegoers into thinking they were watching a new Bruce Lee movie. I mean, you had guys like Bruce Lee, that's Lee L I, uh, Bruce Le, Bruce Lai, Dragon Lee, and other people with such derivative monikers of that nature. Now, as for the films they made, well, they seem to fit within three distinct categories, I've noticed. Uh, the first is when an actor who stands in for Bruce Lee in a regular movie, uh, they these are films such as Dragon on Fire, Fist of Fury 2 and 3, and End of the Game of Death. Uh, the second is an actor who plays Bruce Lee in a fictionalized version of his life, such as Bruce Lee True Story, Bruce Lee I Love You, and Bruce Lee's Secret. And the third and final category is when an actor plays Bruce Lee in a fictional, completely fictional story. Uh, and this, of course, is uh, The Dragon Lives Again, and uh, also the completely bonkers clones of Bruce Lee. So by that point, I guess they just weren't even trying to hide the fact that these weren't Bruce Lee anymore. That, that is Bruce Bloitation in a nutshell. And Dragon Lives Again, they're completely honest about their clone status here, that they're doing a clone movie. Oh, yeah. In, in the very beginning of the movie, it opens up saying this film is dedicated to millions who love Bruce yep. Lee. So they're right out there with mm -hmm. it, but it is also a comedy. Well, you, 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 we mean comedy in the loosest possible sense, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's actually a comedy on many levels. It's totally made of cinema, which is what makes it so wonderful to me because yeah. it's reaching outside of the fourth wall or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. You want to say about that? It's I hate that term, but I have to use it. It's it's made of cinema and it's delightful for that reason. However, it is actually supposed to be a comedy. This is a demon comedy, mm -hmm. which is a genre yeah. in Chinese film. Um, it's Maybe you could call that a supernatural comedy. Mm -hmm. Some examples of a supernatural comedy, they're really popular in Hong Kong, would be something like Spooky Encounters, yep. Haunted Cop Shop series. Yeah. Um, maybe the vampire, the Hobbit vampire movies might yeah. get into that. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Vampire and all, yeah. all those comedies. I know, like, you don't think this is supposed to be as funny. I think it's supposed to be. This is intentionally humorous. I, I know it's not hilarious. It's not side-splitting. Okay, a lot of the humor is unintentional. Yeah, it is. But it is absolutely a lampoon. It's spoofing a lot of stuff. It's taking a lot of movies, especially actors. And it's a supernatural comedy because we find out that Bruce Lee is dead. Yeah and he's in hell mm. so this is why it's a supernatural comedy yep. he's actually supposed to be dead yeah. and it's a bruce lee clone movie and it's also a kung fu comedy yeah it's it's a complete genre mesh mm -hmm. and the thing is that the dub and the cropping is so bad on our copies yeah that i think that that's preventing us from understanding some of the satire yeah. and, and lampooning that's going on in this mm -hmm. movie it's also incredibly body. There's a lot of very body humor. There's a lot of penis jokes. There's a lot of erection jokes. I mean, they're so ridiculous. And, and to me, it's it's very harmless. So I find it very charming, actually. So yes, I, I think it's actually funny. Yeah. yeah well, well, and then there's also an, a lot of unintentional humor as well, which just doubles the fun. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of in, enjoyment factor just because of how, how mad it is. In fact, that's kind of the reason why I bought the DVD. I, I saw it in the shop and I read the back and I was like, I have to see this. You can't describe the film in a way that sounds serious. And, it, and it's not serious at all. I, you know, it's it's wonderful in so many ways and it just it, it makes me laugh. I mean, probably at the wrong points, at the wrong jokes that I'm not supposed to be laughing at, but I mean, I can't really imagine somebody watching this and, and not enjoying it because of its entertainment value at all. I find that very hard to believe, I have to say. Well, I hate to say just how many negative reviews I saw online about this, uh, both in the Chinese and the English-speaking internet. Ah, they just didn't get it. They, just they didn't, didn't get, it. get it! It's supposed to be funny! Yeah. <laughs> it's not a serious kung fu action movie. <laughs> Before we actually go into detail about the movie, we have a tiny bit of background information. I was trying to figure out what left field did this come out of. So what could have influenced this movie to be made? Uh, Kenny Wu, who is a film expert, and thank you, Kenny, for being my friend, he reminded me of Heaven and Hell, the Chang Chan movie. Right. Now, that started filming in 1975, even though it wasn't released until 1980. Apparently, they had a lot of problems. Right. There's a possibility that the Gold Dig people could have known about this. Law K could have known about it. Mm, yeah. There was probably a lot released in magazines about it. 
as yeah. they, they tended to do in the old magazines. They would release articles about movies that were... Yep. That could have been an influence. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Heaven and Hell. I, 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 have, I haven't seen it. Um, I'd like to. It's it's on a, a huge list. I mean, it's, it's not hard to believe. You know, producers would unscrupulously steal film ideas and do their own versions all the time uh, in Hong Kong. You know, I mean, that's the reason why Jackie Chan started giving his films very generic titles uh, in the 80s, because obviously he was aware that people were going to copy what he was doing, so, you know, it's it's not that hard to believe that that might be a reason why this film goes in the direction it does. Sure. Heaven and Hell, I think, um, as Kenny pointed it out, as being the one that is probably, just on a surface level, the closest yeah. to this movie. However, Steve, I really don't think you should see that, because it has dance sequences and singing and stuff. Oh god, yeah, I, I barely got through Snake Prince with that kind of stuff it's, in, yeah. I, I mean, it has, it's like modern jazz dance with Fushan. Oh I mean, my no, word. I know, I I just couldn't go there. <laughs> I, a lot of people love it, and uh, I was, I was just had that silent scream look on my face, you know, while yeah. I was watching it. And, and, and it's, and it's, it's Fushan in this, is it? Yes, oh yes, my, yes, yes. Oh my word, I don't think I really... No, no, I have a very specific image of, of Fu Sheng as the, the righteous kung fu hero. I, I don't think I could... This would shatter it. Yeah, yeah, it would. It would. It really would. Yeah, don't, don't watch it. Don't watch it. You know, there was one other movie that I think we should mention, just in case people have a question about it. Um, I had a question about it, and mm-hmm. Kenny also told me, Oh, hey, I remember this movie. It's called Bruce Lee Fights Back from the Grave. Oh, dear. 1976. Have you seen that? It's starring the Korean actor Jun Chong. Yeah, I, I've yeah. I've seen it because because I, I I watch clone movies quite a lot. If I see one I've never seen before, I'll I'll watch it. I've seen it a couple times. I remember barely anything about it. It's that kind. Yeah. Of but the thing is, is that this title is very misleading. Yes, this has yes, it nothing is. Nothing to do with Bruce Lee being dead or nope. revived from the dead. It turns Not out at all. that this grave thing where he like lightning comes and it strikes this grave of Bruce Lee and he comes <laughs> yeah. jumping out. Yeah. It was like it was like 30 seconds or something. Yeah. Introduction. Yeah. It was added on to just this kind of serious clone movie. Mhm. It was added on by American distributors later. I wouldn't even say it was a clone movie. I think it was just something that was made and then, you know, after Bruce Lee died, they thought, you know, we can make some extra books on this, so we'll, we'll stick this intro on, call it a Bruce Lee movie. And, you know, I, I honestly don't think it would start out as a clone movie at all. It just it kind of suffered that fate, unfortunately. And what's amazing is that the poster, I looked this up on Wikipedia because I had yeah. not seen it, and it's actually mm-hmm. on the Internet Archives online for free because there's no license for it, so you nope. know, go for it, people. So I looked it up because I had not seen it, and mm-hmm. the poster on Wikipedia is hilarious. Yes, it um, is. He's buried up to his waist in a grave, and he's mm-hmm. punching a big bat. <laughs> Yes, he is. I love that poster. Yes, it's awesome. I'm actually going to put it on the blog because it's just so awesome. And Wikipedia is completely serious when they say that this poster resembles the Meatloaf album Bat Out of Hell, but that the (laughs) album didn't come out until the following year. And besides, this sort of art was very common at that time. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh god, that's hilarious. There, yeah, and so I decided that I would post both of those pictures on the blog just just for the hell of it, you know. Anyway, the point is is that Bruce Lee fights back from the grave. The 1976 film is not an inspiration, unless unless somehow they saw the American distribution or the poster or something like that, and they were influenced or inspired by it. It is a possibility. Yeah. You know, they well, the film does draw a lot of inspiration from American films, as you'll find out when we're going to the plot summary later on. Right. So there's a possibility. However, if 30 seconds of Bruce Lee jumping out of a grave and a poster of Bruce Lee punching a bat, <laughs> if that inspires you to make this movie, then good for you. Oh, yes. So let's find out the other movie inspirations. Now, mm. we're going to talk about the plot a little bit. Yeah. I did find out by reading the Chinese bloggers who either love or hate this movie, just as English speakers do. That Lung Xiuang playing Bruce Lee, he actually plays a guy named Really Annoying Lee. Um, that's Lee Junfan, which is a pun on the name Chun Jun, which is one of the characters, like Fist of Fury character. Yeah. And Bruce Lee's real name was Lee Chun Fan. Yes, yes it was. So playing Lee Jun Fan is pun on Bruce Lee's real name. Right. And it means really annoying Lee. Okay? That is his actual name in the movie. <laughs> so the dubs are just calling him Bruce Lee. They're not picking up on him. And I'd like to say thanks again to Kenny Wu for helping me with the uh, translation of the name. Yes. Thank you very much for that. You can actually see the evidence. In yeah. He's going to die. He goes to the underworld, the Chinese hell, where mm -hmm. he's going to be judged and sentenced like all people do when they go to hell. Yes. Yama, the king of hell, who is played by Tong Ching, and we're going to talk about him later, mm -hmm. checks Bruce Lee's, or rather really annoying Lee's, birth certificate, and, and it's written on there. So you can see that that's what his name, and it says made in Hong Kong. So the emperor of hell has his judges. He has his guardians with the horse heads, and all of that stuff is there. Yep. Long Long in sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Nunchucks. Yep. Two things, no matter who you are, you wear them, you're Bruce Lee, pretty much. So, Bruce Lee is sent to Chinatown in hell. Yeah. Apparently, mm -hmm. there's a Chinese section of hell entitled Chinatown. There's a sign that says Chinatown. <laughs> and so, when he goes to Chinatown in hell, he meets Popeye. Uh, yeah, and, and it's not just the name Popeye, the actual character Popeye. The comic strip cartoon character, Popeye. Played by Eric Chang. Unbelievable. Yeah. It has to be seen to be believed. Yeah. I, uh, my mouth dropped to the floor. I could not believe that this yeah. was real. Why yeah, are I mean, people talking about this? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I first watched it and he comes on screen, I was like, that can't be him. Exactly. And then I was like, that's got to be somebody who looks like him. And then he sort of like, he does the jaw thing, and it's like, yeah, that, that's... It is him. That's that's him. It is What's Eric he... Chang. This is 1977. <laughs> he is playing Popeye in Chinese Hell alongside Bruce Lee. He is also uh... the assistant director for the film. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, so we have him, and then we have a guy that you're going to need to talk about, because I know nothing about. And the actor is Hong Guok Choi, who plays David Carradine. Yeah, Hong Guok Choi plays uh, the character of Kwai Chang Keen. Uh, that is the character David Carradine played in the TV series Kung Fu. 
as many Bruce Lee fans know, Kung Fu was a show that was originally created by Bruce Lee, or at least the concept of the series was created by Bruce Lee. And of course, back then, when he was trying to pitch it to various networks, they weren't ready for a, a Chinese actor in a lead role, so it kind of got put by the wayside. And then I think it was after, and I, and I could be wrong about this because my, my history of the series is a bit muddled, but I think after Bruce Lee became big with Green Hornet, the series got put into production. But by then, you know, they, they got uh, David Carradine, who I suppose if you squint your eyes slightly, it kind of looks vaguely Chinese. <laughs> vaguely. Um, vaguely. Vaguely. That's the character he plays, which is like this wandering Shaolin monk in the, in the Wild West. And so Hong Guok Choi is, is playing Huai Chang Kane. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, he is. Who is a buddy of Popeyes? They're playing Chinese drinking games. Yes, this when they when they meet really annoyingly. Mm-hmm. And there's one other guy that uh, really annoyingly hangs out with, and that's Wang Yu, the one-armed swordsman. Yeah, played by an actor uh, Chung Lick, who I think who appeared in a couple of the the Goldig productions. So I'm guessing he must have been like a, a contract player or a friend of the producers or, or whoever. Um, and he he, he kind of looks like Wang Yu. You mean you, you you have him grow a bit of stubble and put the wig on him and and the you know, eyebrows. He, yeah. yeah, and the eyebrows as well. Yeah, yeah he, he actually looked a lot like Wang Yu. I busted a gut when I saw it. I just started laughing out loud. <laughs> Yeah. when I saw Wang Yu. And, of course, all of these guys are portrayed as dumb, naive. Yep. They don't know very much martial arts, and nope. Bruce Lee needs to teach them. Yeah. And teach them not only martial arts, but, you know, a virtuous way of living, which I'm yeah. sure that's how Bruce Lee lived. <laughs> virtuously. Throughout the film, Bruce Lee will interact with Zadoichi. Oh, yes. The blind swordsman. Mm-hmm. I don't know who plays him. Oh, I couldn't find that out. No. And, and James Bond. Yeah, played by Alexander Grand, who in the trailers, or at least in the intro of the film, is touted as a as a boxing champion of yes. sorts. Uh, I couldn't find any info on him. It, it was very scant. Um, I mean, he appeared in a couple other films, uh, a couple other Bruce Ploitation films. One is Fist of Unicorn, and the other is uh, The Dragon, the Hero, and, you know... And he certainly does not do any very impressive action here he's not allowed to his skills are not evident here no no however he is listed as the champion boxer of europe so yeah. I'm, I'm sure that the guy was awesome and and really great but we can't see that here so no not at all so he plays james bond wearing a tux and, and yeah. the whole thing and it's, yeah. it's awesome and there's also clint eastwood yes yes there is uh couldn't find out who played that role uh, I mean, when we watched the film, we kind of think maybe he was possi- possibly Eurasian, may- maybe full Chinese, we couldn't tell, I mean... Yeah, but regardless, you know, hey, just like David Carradine squints his eyes, so does Clint Eastwood, you know, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> 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 the guy, though, plays it with a lot of humor. He deadpans very, very well. Yeah. He's also he very solid with his action. Mm. There's a lot of kung fu fighting with Clint Eastwood and James Bond. Yes, there is. Clint Eastwood is dressed kind of like the High Plains Drifter character. Yeah. So once again, it has to be seen to be believed. Yeah. It was his last wish that his body be sent to Mexico. 
But wait, there's more. There's also the Godfather, who knows Kung Fu. Doesn't seem to be dressed as the Marlon Brando version of the character, or, well, I say version of the character, of, like, like, when people think of Godfather, they think Marlon Brando, but he's not right. dressed as Marlon Brando, not although I think if he dressed up as Marlon Brando, that would have made it so much better. <laughs> he, he seems to be dressed like something you'd expect in, like, an, an Italian gangster film, like a Euro crime movie. He's got, like, the white suit and the, the black scarf, and he's carrying a cane, you know, and so I'm guessing... The sunglasses. And the sunglasses, of the course. The sunglasses yeah. and the scarf, it makes him very fashionista. Yeah. Very Italian, yeah. stylish. Yeah, comes straight out of a, a 70s Italian crime movie. Yeah. It's excellent stuff. And he's played by Shin Il Long, who was a Korean kicker in the late 70s and early 80s. Yeah. Um, he was in a lot of Hong Kong and Korean films as well. I don't know how popular he was in Korea. And I don't think he was very popular in Hong Kong. No, no, because I don't seem to recognize him from any other films. Me say. neither, yeah, me neither. And I, when I looked him up, I, he may be more popular in Korea. I don't really know, so if anybody knows about him, then hey, let us know. Oh yeah, I'm sure if there's anybody who's into the Korean cinema of the 70s and 80s who knows anything about this individual, then please send us some information if you have any, because I, I would like to, to know some more about him. And then there's uh, finally a character called The Exorcist. Yes. It was played by Fong Yao, who's in a lot of stuff. He's great. great yeah. The action, good villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not really sure what's going on here. I actually looked um, on the Chinese blogger pages and whatnot mm -hmm. to try to find out why is this guy called the Exorcist? He's dressed like a French priest in black and has yeah. a, Fr a French accent. Yeah. Ah, thank you. But let's not count the chickens. <laughs> Don't know why that's happening. I, I can't figure it out. I actually could not find any name on the Chinese blogs. Yeah. Some people left him off of their blog completely. Just couldn't find any information on it. It's an obvious reference to the William Friedkin film, but he's not dressed like any of the priests from that film. This is what I don't understand. Yeah. In the dub, they're calling him the Exorcist, much like they're calling this other guy the Godfather, but he's dressed like an Italian 70s crime film style. Yeah. I, however, I did confirm that in the Mandarin, they are calling him Godfather, so that's definitely for sure, but no one has mentioned anything about that that, that would shed any light on why he is what he is. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. But regardless, the exorcist wants to usurp the Emperor of Hell. Mm -hmm. He wants to usurp his throne. Yep. And all of these guys, Zadoichi, James Bond, Clint Eastwood, the Godfather, they're all um, in league with the Emperor's concubines mm -hmm. to overthrow the Emperor. They use their mummies yes. and their skeletons. Yes. Crews of monsters that... <laughs> guys in little yeah. suits that yeah. run around doing kung fu mm -hmm. to try to usurp the throne. So they're fighting Bruce Lee and they're fighting the Emperor and that's pretty much the plot. It's not something that is very important. No, not it's at all. It's pretty simple. One other interesting thing about the plot is that when Bruce Lee is in the Chinatown section of hell, he starts a, I guess what would we call in English, a dojo, yeah. a martial arts school. And this martial arts school on the sign, it says Jing Mo Mun, which is actually the name of the movie Fist of Fury yeah. in Chinese. Mm -hmm. So really annoying, Lee starts his own Jing Mo Mun to teach all these good people of Chinatown how to defend themselves against the Emperor, his henchmen, and also all the bad movie stars. <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly Simon Ewan's U team appears. Yeah, yeah, of all the people who appear in this film, he turns up. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who plays Sam Seed. This is Wu Ping's father. Yeah. 
Simon Yuen, very famous guy. Mm. He, he comes very. in at, at, at some point. And there's also one more character, and that is Sulan, is Bruce Lee's virtuous and pure girlfriend. Yes. The name Sulan is the mm -hmm. name of the character that Ada Choi played in Fist of Fury. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, you know, this is delightful. It is yeah. totally made a cinematic it's making direct references to actors and famous movie roles. Oh, yeah. Oh, and there's one more person, one more movie star, and that's oh. Emmanuel. Oh, yes. How, how, how can we forget Emmanuel? How can we forget Emmanuel is in this movie also? <laughs> and she is called Emmanuel by name. Yes, she is. And you pointed out that that is indeed her chair that is y in y yeah, of all the things for me to notice in this thing, because obviously there's a scene when she's like trying to seduce our wayward hero, and in the background you see this sort of like basket wicker chair, and and I can't believe I recognise this, but that's actually something that's featured in the poster. Of all the things I had to notice, like that's in the poster, and it's like, so and I feel kind of ashamed that I've actually that made you, that, that you connection. That. Yes, I'm ashamed of you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm so glad you did because it, it really does. <laughs> verify the just wacky crazy stuff yeah about this movie mm -hmm. so it's just not really any plot all these people are there is a plot all these people are running around trying to undermine each other and of course bruce lee can gamble better he can fight yep. better he can mm -hmm. fuck better than anybody <laughs> else everybody's fighting everybody and then the end yeah and i just i have to give this way i can't i cannot stop myself the ending is like a Godzilla movie, yes, where everyone waves goodbye. They're they're looking up, waving goodbye, goodbye, yeah. and and this dummy flies up the zip line. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> oh god, it, it's just it's just so absurd. It's it just is, like it's. It's just, it, it comes out of nowhere, he's kind of he's standing on the rock, they're all waving goodbye, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden, shoom, right in the air. It's and like, this dummy, and you can see the legs sort of waving as it's, <laughs> as it's being pulled up the zip line. <laughs> it's just hilarious. And the other thing that makes me laugh so hard is Bruce Lee is in his own bedroom in hell, and yeah. all over the bedroom walls are yeah. pictures of, of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Posters. <laughs> Oh, wow. I guess they're just trying to sell the fact that, like, maybe they were trying to say, this is the new Bruce Lee, that's the old Bruce Lee. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah there is know. an excuse that's um, not really plausible, but it has to work of why Bruce Lee suddenly looks exactly like Long Siu Long. I guess when he goes to hell, he's supposed to change his look. So these pictures are of himself, aren't they? Yeah. He has pictures of himself all over his bedroom wall. <laughs> <laughs> And there was also a lot of unintentional humor. So you have humor that's humor, for real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of unintentional humor. Mm -hmm. I find Emmanuel's seduction of Bruce Lee absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. one of the things I love is that they're drinking wine together, yes, and she's trying to seduce him, and then they dance. Oh, um, and you oh, think it, it should be something like they should be playing some Barry White, you know, <laughs> well, they're about to get down, you know. Yeah. Instead, they start doing this incredibly frenetic polka. Yep, yes they do. 
and then fall fall down on the bed. Yeah, I'm guessing hysterically laughing and Lung Su Lung <laughs> is laughing and hitting the bed like it was the funniest fucking thing he's ever done in his life. Yeah, and then she jumps on him and starts seducing him. That was the most bizarre, incongruous. I don't know if yeah. that was supposed to be funny, but it was hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah. I think the dancing thing was maybe a reference to the fact that Bruce was a, a, a cha-cha champion in his younger days, maybe. You know, that they're, they're trying to fit everything else they can in there, so why not? Hey, let's, let's reference the fact that he used to dance in his youth. Okay, yeah, you know what? I didn't think of that. That makes a lot of sense, because they definitely reference everything, and what's surprising to me is actually the amount of referencing of his infidelity. Oh, yes. That goes on. Yeah. A yeah. lot of reference to his infidelity, a lot of references to his third leg, about yeah. how well-endowed well he is, and how every single woman, from the moment that he was born, they were madly in love with him. That's actually a quote. From the moment you were born, I've been deeply in love with you. Okay. Go um, <laughs> figure. Constant references to his virility and his manlyhood. He actually also makes an apology to Linda for being such a player while he was on. Yeah. Office. Yeah, that was just like very that when I heard strange. That. Yeah. And completely delightful to me because my mouth is just hanging open the whole time. <laughs> like I cannot believe that that they're doing this. Yeah, which makes the title, you know, the the whole thing about Bruce Lee's third leg probably, you know, more apt in this in this situation. Absolutely, I think that is exactly why they named it that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that 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 kind of like reminds me of another Bruce Lee clone movie, which was produced by Shaw Brothers, which is Bruce Lee, I Love You, aka Bruce Lee and I, aka Bruce Lee, His Last Days and Nights, aka The Sex Life of Bruce Lee. So that had a lot of alternate titles. It was basically a Bruce Lee clone movie starring Danny. Lee, of all people. Whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you put him on, if you put the glasses on and combed his hair, he kind of vaguely <laughs> resembles Bruce Lee. And it was kind of like a, a, a story about him and his affair with Betty Ting Pei, or his alleged affair, I should say, really. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I, I kind of want to. I want, once... I want to. Yeah, no. it's a one. It's a Bruce Lee clone movie, and two, it's Danny Lee as Bruce Lee, which I really want to see. <laughs> just oh, the idea of the God. guy from The Killer being Bruce Lee just sounds hilarious to me. Absolutely. I, I, I have to. We, 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 I have to see that now. We have mm -hmm. to get that movie. Yes, yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so so the virility and the infidelity is, is has been explored in other movies. This one, it's it's funny. Yeah. And really, it's about just how much of a massive stud. Lee was while he was yeah. alive. Really, I mean, right? He is, oh, yeah. He is superhero status. He's a demigod yep. in hell. And he's taking care of business, kicking ass, you know, setting people on, on the right path because, you know, he's just that awesome. Mm -hmm. So this is just the most psychedelic, crazy spoof. Where did it come from? Don't know. Yeah. All I know is it may have come from the mind of Locke, the director he wrote and directed this movie. Can't get any other evidence or information on it, so we're going to have to go with the fact that Lockheed, he did have a co-writer, but it, this really looks like Lockheed's brainchild. Mm. Now, I haven't seen a whole lot of his movies. He directed anywhere between 20 to 30 movies. It depends on which site you're looking at. I use Hong yeah. Cinemagic at the low end. They're very careful. 
mm-hmm. and Hong Kong movie database for the high end yeah. because they're kind of not so careful. However, they mm-hmm. I know that they do have some very good people who do translations for them yep. and give them information. Kenny Wu is one of those people and he's very, very trusted. However, you can't know which entries are Kenny Wu's and which aren't. Yeah. So there's a lot of discrepancy in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the low end is for me generally. I'm quoting the Hong Kong Cinemagic, and the high end yeah. the Hong Kong Movie Database numbers. So I have that he directed 20 to 30 movies between 1969 and 2006. So he's been going right. a long time. Right. I've actually only seen about two of these movies of his. I've never really seen very many of his movies. They're not. Yeah, I've. Much, I guess. I haven't seen any of his other films. Only Dragon Lives Again. I'm looking at his list of films as we record this, and I don't recognize any of the titles uh, at all that he's been involved with so you know uh, that's the only one I've seen yeah and he's also done anywhere between 8 and 21 screenplays and acted in 16 to 56 films I have to say I don't know a whole lot about him I, I looked him up on Baidu the Chinese, yeah. similar to something like Hong Kong Movie Database, but it's in Chinese. They consider him to be very famous as a film director, screenwriter, producer, actor. He's a member of the Hong Kong Film Association, Hong Kong right. Film Directors Association. Right. Very respected in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Southeast Asia. He is considered to be one of the film and television industry leaders. Oh, wow. Now, when I look at his list of stuff, I just see stuff that, to me, looks kind of crappy. Yeah, the the guy who directed this film is one of the most respected figures in in the Hong Kong film industry. That's just wow. Yes, exactly. So I can't really say anything about that. However, that is what I saw on Baidu. So there you go. A lot of it seems to be kind of, you know, third-rate B-movie kind of stuff. But maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm missing something. If, if anybody out there has seen any of the low-key movies, you know, who's maybe that are all decent, you know, please let us know. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I have to say that I love the, the concept of Dragon Lives Again. I adore it. However, was it played out well? No. <laughs> was it? It's <laughs> Not cheap. at all. It's... It, it's cheesy, but the concept is, is so delightful that I think that's why we're making this episode. Indeed. Maybe he's got some other great stuff out there, and I'd love to know about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now I just I want to talk about the star of the movie, Long Xiulong, because I love Long Xiulong. He's my beastly sweetheart. He was a 70s star. He was an action director. Indeed he is, or was. He was an action director for eh, 20 to 28 films. He acted in about 50 to 75 films. Don't know. A friend of mine on Facebook, Arnaud Lanou, a French journalist, in 2006, he did a really good interview. It's available on a Hong Kong Cinemagic if you want to read it. So I'm taking most of my bio information off of there. Yeah. Before I knew much about him, I saw him in a couple movies, and I said, oh my god, I just have to see this guy more. Yeah. How come his movies are so hard to get? Yeah, they are. And where if he's acted in roughly you know 50 to 75 movies, where are they? <laughs> and I'm still not quite sure today exactly what goes on. However, in a little bit, I'm going to talk in the bio, and this may be one of the reasons. So he was raised in a martial arts family. Mm-hmm. Um, he was taught by his uncle in the northern style, Kung Fu, him and his brother, Long Siu Hong, who we'll be talking about in a minute. Yes, we will. Now, Long Siu Long, unlike his brother, was famous in Hong Kong, is famous now as a real-life street fighter when he was young. He was constantly fighting. What he's famous for is that he never lost a fight and he's had more than 100 street fights. This is legend. Don't know how much of it is true. However, a lot of people swear by him. Yeah. 
he was spotted by Ing Si Yun fighting on the street in mm. Hong Kong. And Ing Si Yun said, come and make movies. So that's that's just a great story to me. <laughs> so he and his brother worked behind the scenes on a lot of action films to begin They did. And he started working in front of the camera. He said in his interview that he does prefer being in front of the camera. Um, however, he did not like being a clone at all. No. And if he's going to be a clone, I think Dragon Lives Again is just such a wonderful clone movie for him to be in because he yeah. brings his own cocky arrogance to it. Lung Siu Lung is, is kind of like a force of nature. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy's a, a maniac. He's incredibly physically talented as an athlete. Mm. Yeah. And he knows that. And mm -hmm. he will let everyone around him know that he's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and it's very charming as, as he plays really annoyingly in this movie. So, like I said before, you know, it's very hard to get his movies. I have Gangmaster, I have Broken Oath. I have, I have a couple other ones. I have about six, seven of his movies. I love Gangmaster and Broken Oath a lot. But it's very hard to get the other movies. So this might be why. You know, he was very popular, he was very successful. Yeah. Including working in television until yeah. 1988 when he got into some political trouble in Taiwan. He was supporting the wrong party, the wrong group. He was banned from working in Taiwan. Wow. Uh, he had some association with mainland China that they did not approve of. That oh, completely ruined his career. Ouch. It stopped his career completely. He had to go into a totally other business. Now he has come back once or twice since 1991. He was able to start doing a little bit of appearances, and then of course he was able to be in Gallants. Mm, yeah. He, he does like to work in film. It's just basically that his career was destroyed by his political alliances. Though. Yeah. Don't yeah. know what was going on. Don't want to know what was going on. Yeah. But that is uh -huh. what happened. Yeah. Well, I think he was rescued from obscurity by uh, Stephen Chow, Chow Sinchi, when he was cast as the bad guy in Kung Fu Hustle. And I have to admit, that was when I first heard of him, when he when he appeared in that film. Yes, yeah, he was excellent in that film. He comes back, unfortunately, in that film as an old man. Yeah. But still, even as an old man, Kung Fu Hustle, Gallants, where he was featured prominently in both of those movies, Mm -hmm. And he has been in several movies and is currently working on more movies right now, which yeah, I'm excited he is. about. Even as an old man now, he is so fit. He's still so amazing. I read an interview in Chinese on the internet during the time that Gallants was coming out. There were a lot of interviews of him and Chuck Kuntai, uh, which I read. And in one of these interviews, and this is from memory, I, I can't be sure where it was that I read it. He said that he works out even now, works out wow. insanely. He's doing things like running five to ten miles a day, and then right after that we'll go and swim like a hundred laps. And he himself says, I'm not normal, I'm not a normal person. The way that he works out, even now at his age, he is truly a force of nature. And he's very young and at his prime in Dragon Lives Again, so if it wasn't so cropped, it would be much more wonderful to, to watch his fight scenes. Oh yes, absolutely. He is very, very strong. He's known as a kicker and, you know, whirlwind kicks. And, and he's very famous for, I don't know what you call this, but a person stands behind him, he lifts his leg up and kicks the person in the face. And he does it all the time. And he does it in this movie as well. Oh yes. A lot of the action is very well choreographed. You see a lot of great stunts and a lot of great kicking and jumps and stuff like that mm -hmm. in this movie. And that's because of his brother. Oh so yes. Take it away, Steve. 
Right, yeah, this will be a good opportunity to talk about his brother, uh, Lung Siu Hung, uh, or, or Lung Siu Sung, as he's credited in this film, but Lung Siu Hung, or his English name, uh, which is Tony, so another Tony Lung working in the Hong Kong film industry, uh, is the younger brother of Bruce, uh, Bruce Lung, who taught him martial arts uh, when they were younger and all the skills that he needed to be a stuntman in the, in the film industry. The styles he learned uh, under his brother were karate, wing chung, and uh, taekwondo. He also learned various other styles so he could refine his skills. It's worth mentioning that their father, uh, Lung Siu Chung, uh, also worked in the industry, primarily as a stuntman and fight choreographer. Uh, he worked on some well-known movies, such as The Lady Hermit, uh, Thunderbolt Fist, a Trilogy of Swordsmanship, and a bunch of other films. So Tony uh, uh, Lung Siu Chung uh, started getting work as a stuntman for Shaw Brothers in various independent films until around 1973, when he got his first credit within the film called Rage of the Wind, uh, which I I haven't seen, but I really want to because it stars Chan Singh and Yusaki Karada and has Bruce uh, alongside his brother providing action, uh, along with um, Siu Chung as well. And from then on, it was various bit parts until about 1977 when he played the lead role, and I think this is only the, the only ever lead role he ever had in his career, as far as I can find, uh, alongside Lau Ga Young, uh, nephew of Lau Ga Lung, in a movie called 36 Crazy Fists. 36 Crazy Fists is one of those films you would see in bargain bins wherever you would find DVDs for sale. Uh, it usually have Jackie Chan's face slapped on the cover. This is because he was credited as the fight choreographer, but from what I've been told, that wasn't the case. Uh, I'm, as far as I'm aware, Jackie was only worked on the film for one day, and even then it was the on-the-red stuff in the intro to the film. But of course, he was filmed doing that, and of course he was sliced into the film to make it look like he appeared in it, when, again, that wasn't the case at all. Um, so I'm maybe guessing Tony himself did the action, maybe Lau Ga Young did, because they both had experiences fight choreographers up to that point. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's an it's, educated it's, guess. You're, you're probably correct. Yeah, yeah. Now, a year later, he would appear in Samuel Hung's first film as a director, which was Enter the Fat Dragon. Funnily enough, Tony plays a parody of a Bruce Lee clone, uh, in which he gets his ass kicked by Samuel in a, in a very amusing scene. Enter the Fat Dragon is a, a really good movie. If you ever get the opportunity to see that, I would highly recommend it. It's on DVD if you could find it. After that, he did what he considers to be his first solo work, because up to that point, he'd worked as an action director on films, but it was always alongside his brother Bruce. He'd never done any solo work himself, but his first solo work as a fight choreographer was on a film called To Kill the Big Villain in Mount Tai. I couldn't find any info on this film whatsoever at all. Um, even Hong Kong Cinemagic, it only had him listed as fight choreographer and a few cast members, but apart from that, they didn't list who the director was. You know, it only listed the, the year it came out. So if anybody has any further information on that, please let us know because I'd be quite curious to see that one myself. Now, the interesting thing here is when Hong Kong started shifting from period films to more contemporary stuff in the 80s, it seems Tony wasn't struggling for work. He was able to get work on films such as Magic Crystal, which I have to say is one of my top Hong Kong action films in the 1980s. The action in that one is so good. I mean, unbelievably good. Yeah. It good it, you know, it, it, as good as anything as Jackie or Samuel was doing at the time. You know, it's it's top tier stuff without a doubt. And a hearty response. And he also worked as, as action director on Rich and Famous, and its sequel, Tragic Hero, again uh, alongside his brother. And uh, a lot of other films, I think, which are too numerous to mention here. I think. I mean. Yeah, his his credits are huge. He has yeah. done a lot of choreography. 
Yeah, and he's worked on some really big films as well. I mean, Absolutely. I think it's kind of a testament to his talent as a director, as an action director, really. Now, it was during the 80s that he made his debut as a director in 1984 with the film Thunderclap for Shaw Brothers, uh, which stars uh, Chen Kuntai and Ku Feng, uh, another movie I'd really like to see because I like Shaw Brothers films and I like the cast for this one. I like Chen Kuntai and I like Ku Feng, so I would love to see those. Yeah, that movie. I would as well. I haven't seen um, yeah, and he also directed a few other films, none of which I've seen except Blood Moon, which was made in 1997, which is a fun English language film that stars Gary Daniels and Darren Shalavi, which are two names which I'm sure are very familiar to people who uh, are fans of martial arts cinema. And that has some really good, solid action. Uh, it was also during the 90s that he did some work for seasonal films and Seiyun, which was the action director on No Retreat, No Surrender 3 and King of the Kickboxes. I've reviewed those on my blog, chopsticksonfire.blogspot.com, so you can kind of see my thoughts on that on there. Um, his last film as a director is a movie entitled Ultimate Fight, which I haven't seen, but I kind of don't want to because the star goes by the English name Cyrus, and that kind of makes me think he's probably a bit of an arsehole. You know, um, so me too. I, yeah, I I can't really imagine a, a guy I, who has the name no, Cyrus being very no, likable at no, all. No, you know, won't see uh, I won't say this for the name. <laughs> now these days he's still very active, although his he slowed down his a lot of his output in terms of how how many films he used to do back in like the nineties and the eighties. Most recently, he was the action director on the Woman Knight of Mirror Lake, which yeah. isn't a great film, but the action is as you'd expect superb. I really like the action scenes in that one quite a lot. It's pretty and all... hard hitting. Pretty hard yeah. hitting. There's also a lot of wire food. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I like about Tony's style as an action director. He's very versatile. I mean, you look at the stuff he's doing in the 70s all the very grounded traditional stuff that he was doing and then in the 80s when in the, when films shifted to more contemporary stuff he was able to do shootouts you know shootouts which are just as good as stuff you'd seen a John Woo movie um, sure it, Tragic Hero and Rich and Famous are oh yeah uh, Hardy yeah. Response that has got some pretty great action in it as well yeah, yeah. And those are those contemporary crime using guns, using machetes, stuff like that. Yeah, so he showed that he wasn't a you know a one-trick pony. He could do any kind of action, which I think is what is required if you want to be a good choreographer. You've got to be able to do not only just empty-handed, hand-to-hand stuff, but gunfights as well. So and he also uses the wire foo, like you know, like you said in in the the Woman Night of Mirror Lake, or as it's known in Germany, Ip Woman. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's known oh, as. Oh, that's Ip so great! In Germany, because <laughs> of course, um, Lung Siu Hung was also he worked on Ip Man with Donnie Yen, and he also worked on The Legend Is Born, Ip Man, which uses a lot of the same cast and crew that appeared in The Woman Night of Mirror Lake. Uh, so yeah, for some reason, German distributors looked at the film and they thought we'll call it Ip Woman. I'm guessing they must have thought maybe Ip Man was like a superhero or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is so excellent. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, awesome. These days, he, he's working as, he's now the vice chairman of the Hong Kong Stuntmen Association, um, which I'm sure he's very good at whatever is required of him for that particular job. I don't know if he's got any films coming out. I'm sure he will, but I can't really find any information on that. But uh, I'm sure whatever film is involved in the future, I'll be there because if I'm watching a film and he's involved as an action director, I will watch it because I know I'm in safe hands. It's kind of like you, Mu Ping. You know, the film could be crap, but you know because he's working on the action scenes, you know you're going to be in for a good time. That's right. 
Actually, the action in Dragon Lives Again was co-choreographed with his brother Long Siu Long. Yeah. So both of both of them together get credit on this movie for that. Mm-hmm. It's very traditional kung fu. Yes, it is. It's very solid. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it... it's not painful or hard hitting, and that's that's appropriate for this movie. This movie, I really think, is made for thirteen-year-old boys. However, yeah. I could be wrong. The action suits that. It's yeah. not very painful. A mm-hmm. lot of the fight scenes are actually outright comedy. Yeah. And what's interesting is, and this is something that we discussed earlier, is that on my version of my DVD, some of the fight scenes have white subtitles. Yes, they do. Burned in subs in both English and Chinese of the yes. of the techniques that Bruce Lee and his opponents are using. Their yes. their comedy technique. Uh, so, for instance, if he's fighting Zadoichi, Zadoichi will do something like the blindfold massages while he's jumping up and down on Bruce Lee's back. Um, <laughs> and then Bruce Lee will respond with his techniques. All of his techniques are based on Bruce Lee movies. And he'll yell out, Way of the Dragon! And then yeah. we'll do the dragon fist and... And will pummel his enemy. And one of the final uh, subtitled techniques is when both of his legs are being held by mummies and there, and a third person is about to jump on him. I think it's the vampire. Yeah. Bruce Lee's third leg comes out and. <laughs> and it's hits literally the vampire in the face. Yeah, and it's literally a third leg with a with a trouser leg and with shoe, a shoe and everything. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> yeah. And it says, you know, the third leg of Bruce Lee as being the, the technique. However, your version from Vengeance Video does not yes. have those burned-in subs, which I don't understand what's going on. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, I'm guessing because when the, the leg comes out and kicks Dracula in the face, my copy goes orange. Uh, it does like a freeze frame, and the fr- and the frame goes orange. Yours turns blue, if I remember rightly. Yes, it turns blue. So I'm guessing maybe Vengeance Video sourced a different print of the film. Uh, I'm guessing it was a print that was sans the captions at the bottom. Yeah, you know? I, I think there were probably some produced for overseas, and that may be the version I have, or maybe not. Maybe you have mm. the overseas version and I don't. I, I don't really mm. know. We couldn't get a whole mm-hmm. lot of information. Yeah. Especially because China didn't really have the film until recently, so no. they're not talking about it a whole lot. They seem to be grateful to have their copy that they have. However, they do have the copy that has the burned-in titles for yeah. the techniques, so don't know mm-hmm. what's up with that, but... No, not at all. So many, much of the action is, it's obviously supposed to be comedic. Mm-hmm. It's light. It's suitable for the movie. No one's going to yeah. really be in pain. The bad guys mm. just fall over. Yeah. You know, and and it's all safe and it's all it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Popeye. Yeah. He has, he, Popeye has a fight scene at the end. Yes, yes, he does. After Bruce Lee has taught him to defend himself, he fights and actually opens a can of spinach. Yes, he does. Now, <laughs> Eric Eric Chang has never been a man of action. Nope. He certainly did some stunts in his very early comedy days. I saw him take a dive off of a balcony in a movie. It was quite impressive. Wow. I mean, obviously he landed on some mattresses at the bottom, but I don't care. That was high. Yeah. I think that they did well to make him look like he was doing kung fu and he really wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think that the team of Lung Siu Lung and Lung Siu Hung as choreographers are they worked well with, with Eric Chang. Yes. Um they allowed the Italian godfather to have a very long scene at the end where he ends up ripping his shirt off and flexing his muscles, his oiled <laughs> body. 
very, very long scene. And speaking of Eric Chang, just in case somebody does not know who he is, mm-hmm. first off, he's about four foot ten. Has a very large head, so he's very uh, distinguishable. <laughs> he's a comedian. He started in the mid seventies as a mm-hmm. comedian, yeah, and worked his way up very quickly. He is an incredibly successful director, producer, actor. He is highly influential in shaping modern Hong Kong cinema. Oh yeah, he is one of the leading figures of Hong Kong cinema. So this is why my jaw dropped open. My jaw fell off onto the ground when I saw him playing Popeye. <laughs> I was just so shocked. This is, this is, but this is Eric Chang. Yeah. So that's who he is, and I also wanted to mention before we move on to some other aspect, Tang Ching, who plays the Emperor of Hell. Yeah. Tang Ching was a 60s screen idol. He stopped acting, I think, in the 80s. This dude was born in 1924. Okay, so he's a, he's really a, an old guy now. He's what, like almost a hundred. Um, <laughs> he was he started acting in the late 50s. In the 60s, he was massively popular. He won a Best Best Actor award at one point. You can see him in some of the early Shaw movies. He is an excellent actor. He was also, you know, a screen idol. So you know, the women loved him. What the fuck is he doing in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Why is a guy? as respected and as versatile as Tang Ching playing an emperor, getting groped by an actress playing Emmanuel. It 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 makes no sense whatsoever why a guy of his caliber would be in a film like this. And I have to say, he plays a grovelly, despicable comedy character very, very well because he's a great actor. Oh yeah. So much greater than this movie. But there you go, you know, I mean, having Tung Ching as the Emperor just adds to the brilliance and the absurdity of this. So it's a crappy movie. We have all these amazing people in it. (laughs) How did that happen? And this movie is crap as far as like production values. Right. Well, I guess we should talk about the production values, which are, well, I guess using the word value to describe this production is (laughs) more than generous. Yeah. first, Yeah. First off, the sets look very, very cheap. I imagine this is where most of the budget went, quite frankly. There are sets which are meant to be outside, but you can tell right away that it's in a studio. There are a couple scenes which take place on this tiny bridge, um, which leads <laughs> out of Chinatown area where the story takes place. And you can tell the background is painted is a painted backdrop. You it's, know, it's charming! <laughs> it's charming, and the perspective is bad. So yeah, you have yes, the bridge, and then all of a sudden you have this hill very far away. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's so yeah. awesome. I know. Oh, God, it's so funny. And it, it, it looks like a stage play. It's, it's not cheap looking. Yes. And also, the, the final reel of the film takes place in a rock quarry, which I have to say wouldn't look out of place in an old episode of, of Doctor Who. Well, as... For the costumes, those fare a little bit better, I suppose. I mean, they still look cheap, but I've seen worse. Hardly any of the actors playing the movie characters wear anything that remotely resembles their counterparts. I mean, Popeye comes close, but his costume is the wrong colour. Blondie, that's meant to be the character, the Clint Eastwood character, looks like you just got a rogue and cut a hole in it and just stuck it on his head and thought, that, that looks like a poncho, we'll, we'll do that. Bai Chan Kane's costume is probably the most accurate, um, even down to like the jacket he wears and the, the sort of cloth bag that he has. The women in these films, to see what they wear or costumes would be putting it lightly, I mean, they literally wear pieces of cloth. Pieces Pretty much. Of... They're mostly nude. <laughs> yeah. They're just like when they do wear costumes, they're pretty yeah. cheap. 
Yeah. I mean, the way it's shot is pretty much the same as any film that was made during this time was shot quick and easy, with lots of wide shots and close-ups, so there seemed to be no attempt made at all to try and make the film look more expensive than it actually was. Yeah, I I have a feeling it was filmed very quickly. Also, I have a problem with the editing. There's a lot of uh, choppy, abrupt uh, scene changes, which Mm. are... When I have a cropped and dubbed version, Mm -hmm. with those detriments piled on top of abrupt choppy editing it's mm-hmm. actually hard to understand what was, yeah. what's going on yeah, so you, you... the editing is bad mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing artistic about it yeah. however the story flows well enough it yeah. gets it gets the job done of course that's, you know that's yeah. about it but you also have to wonder when these films were released internationally some stuff would always get cut out you know some stuff that maybe just wouldn't work because the, the humor was too Chinese or maybe because it was just kind of like awkward you know maybe because it was my considered racist or something like that I don't know that's but anyway true. it could be entirely possible that some scenes were trimmed true but like you said it doesn't really feel that way like nothing comes up that doesn't make any sense I mean right. as silly as that sounds every Everything kind of makes sense. It all flows in each scene. The flow and the continuity is good enough that you can follow it. I could not detect where, and I have my radar up for scenes that may have been deleted out if the continuity suddenly Mm -hmm. falls apart. There is none of that that I could find. I do believe that we're looking at the original film. It's just sloppy. It's just shoddy. It's not very well done. However, we don't know for sure. So if anybody knows, you know, check out the uh, versions we have with the minutes. I don't even know what the minutes are. I know you and I have the same exact version. Yes, yes we do. I suspect that yours was for a different kind of release. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing... Different destination. Yeah, yeah. Yet the running time and all of the scenes are are identical. Mm -hmm. So I think that in this case it probably is not happening. There's no Mm. excuse, really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That I can see. Not at all. Also, as far as production, I really think that they spent most of their money on the Popeye outfit, (laughs) which even though it's the wrong color... Um, it's it, it's it's fairly it's, I suppose it's a fairly accurate representation. It yeah. is. He has the little hat. It's it's so nicely made and it fits him very well. Which yeah. sometimes you you see in in a lot of really kind of cheap, quick Hong Kong movies. You'll see people whose clothes don't fit them right because they're, you yeah. know it's just here. Put this jacket on and then three people wear the same jacket in the movie and it doesn't fit them all, you know? <laughs> but this Popeye outfit is beautiful. It's just, it's yeah. just amazing. Like, it's so well made and yeah. it's just yeah. it's shocking and he has a little corncob pipe and everything. Yeah. Do you think he still has it? Yeah. <laughs> I would be embarrassed. <laughs> Do you think maybe you, maybe when he's when he's alone he breaks it out, you know, yeah, puts it on right. and he, parades he around the house. In front of the mirror, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, I still yep. look good in this. Yeah, you have to wonder if you just sort of like, if you ever see Eric Dang in the street, you kind of go up with a picture of him from, from this film and go, you remember this? Mm-hmm. And just see how, how he reacts. And then you disappear. Yeah. <laughs> what I, the only thing I was sad about is that they didn't have the gigantic forearms. and I. No, no, no they didn't. But they oh, didn't have was... anything, any um, special effects were not yeah. happening at all. Yeah. There's no blood because it's a very safe and fun, there's no blood there. He doesn't have the forearms. No. When people get hit, they don't have any bumps, they don't have any wounds. There's nothing like that going on, really. No. Dracula's makeup is completely shitty. 
the special effects are no, there are none. You know, so I was kind of sad about him not having the arms. I thought that would have been absolutely hilarious. Oh yes. One of the last things that I want to say about the movie, as far as production, is the music because I think the music is absolutely wonderful. Hmm, it is. And the music was done by music master Frankie Chan Funke. Yes, it was. He, to me, is the James Bond of Hong Kong movies. He can do everything. He does everything. Yes. However, he does. music music was the thing that he did primarily. Mm-hmm. He's a Guangdong native, as many of yep. our Hong Kong people are. Um, he directed about 20 films. He starred in a lot of them. Yep, he did. Um, my favorite Frankie movie, and I'm a big fan of Frankie Chan. Mm-hmm. My favorite is The Invisible Power of Kindness, which is also known as Warrior's Tragedy, which he produced and directed, adapted it from a, a wuxia novel mm-hmm. in 1993. And it's, a, it's just all Frankie. It's it's silly, yeah. it's positive, it's, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, I haven't seen many of his films. I've seen a couple. I've seen uh, Outlaw Brothers, uh, which is a very good sort of 80s uh, action film. Uh, you know, it's got Yukari Oshima and Jeff Falcon and, and Max Moxyu-Jung and, and all those sort of mainstays of that area. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you like that movie from that area, and I'm sure a lot of people listen to this do, it's worth, it's worth seeing. I've also got a film by his, which I have on VCD. I haven't watched it yet, but I really want to see it because it sounds quite fun. Read Lips, which also stars Eric Chan. Yes, I have that movie on VCD also. I've seen it twice. It's funny. The subtitles are hilarious. They're mm-hmm. the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. That's act- That was actually Frankie's first first role. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. it was Read Lips. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, he comes out very confident. It's yeah. ridiculous mm-hmm. and it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I also have, but I haven't watched yet, uh, Burning Ambition, uh, which also has Yukari Oshima and Simon Yam and Eddie Ko and all those recognizable faces that appear in it. Uh, I heard it's very good but I've yet to watch it. Um, it's got action direction by Fung Hak on, so uh, I suppose I should check that out. I need to check that soon. out. So there's Frankie doing, you know, urban crime. He's doing all kinds of different things. I'm telling you, he's the James Bond of, of Hong Kong. So anything he does is good. He also was the co-star of Prodigal Son, as we all know. Oh, yes. Yes, he was. So he was also able to handle Kung Fu action. Obviously not as mm-hmm. much as Ewan Bue, because Ewan Bue mm. did, did mm-hmm. his stunt double yeah. For him, mm-hmm. so you and Bill was fighting against yeah. himself because he was playing himself and yeah. Frankie Frankie Chan. Mm-hmm. However, Frankie has the charisma that you need to be a leading yeah. player. At least I yeah. think so. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because apparently, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently he wasn't really all that popular as an actor. Allegedly, it has to do with the, this, the screen persona that he, he had for himself. He has a very cold, very calculating, very sort of understated screen presence, and I don't think a lot of audiences warm to that. And I don't know if that's actually true, but from what I've been told, that, you know, he wasn't very popular as an actor. I mean, his films did well enough, but he wasn't a major star. I actually think he really should have been, but, you know, he never quite hit that, that level as, say, like a Jackie Chan or a Samuel Hung did, even though he had the talent to be there, you know? Okay, I, I did not know that. Well, maybe that's why he did so much music. However, I don't think that's really why. He mm. was great as a composer. He's actually won oh, some yeah. awards. Now, when I looked up to try to get a number of how many movies he had done the music mm-hmm. for, whether yeah. that's original composition or just yeah. plagiarizing, which they love to do. Yeah. And I'm uh-huh. a fan of that. I'm getting a number between 83 and 328. Wow. 
Uh, there's a lot of discrepancy. I'm probably gonna go with around the 300 number, but I, I don't know. I can't be sure. Yeah. That's a, too well, much of a discrepancy. But he has done the movie, the music for many Shaw movies. That's where he got his start. He's mm-hmm. done many UN Clan movies, Sammo mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. Wong Kar Wai movies, Ashes of Time, and Fallen Angels, which he actually won an award for the best composer for original music. Yeah. He's been doing music from 1970 on up. I don't know if you you know you guys watch a lot of Ewan Clan movies. I love them. Um, the Chinese disco music that you yeah. hear in a lot of movies. I yeah. think that Frankie Chan wrote that music. Yeah. You actually can hear yeah. that the same exact song in many many films, and oh, I yeah. absolutely adore that music. One of the first kung fu movies I ever saw was Buddhist Fist, which features that music prominently. He did the music for Buddhist Fist. I fell in love with this Chinese disco music, and I'm just so happy to find out that that's Frankie. He's still going strong, actually. He directed and did the action choreography for Legendary Amazons in 2011. Uh, Heard nothing but bad things about that movie. Yeah, it's it's not that great. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I didn't know he was credited as action director. I thought it was Fong Hakan who did that, but... um... Okay, maybe I'm wrong there, but I know that he did direct it. However, I'm going to say studio interference for this. Because mm. there's mm-hmm. too much mainland control right yeah. now. They're ruining yeah. everything. Yeah. We'll probably uh-huh. have to edit that out because I don't right. want it to disappear. It's it's not as good as, as I was hoping it would be when I when I watched it. Sure, right. Yeah, I didn't see it because I, I was smart and read the reviews first. <laughs> he's actually doing the music, or maybe he's already done for Wong Kar Wai's uh, film that's coming up, Grandmasters. God knows when Grandmaster. that's coming out. Yeah, I don't know. With with little Tony, yeah, that's just been forever. But but Frankie Chan is still active. He's doing the music for that. While I was researching him, I saw he apparently wrote, directed, and acted in a film called IQ Dudettes. <laughs> I have to see that movie. What? This is from 2000. I need to see it right away just because of the title. <laughs> and because word. I love Frankie. So Frankie's music for Dragon Lives Again is, to me, is really awesome music that really adds to the, the lampooning, the satires that's going on. It's comedy. He has a lot of comedy sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, shameless pillaging, as they do in Hong Kong movies. Yep. He took the Godfather theme. Yes, he did. Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas shows up. Yeah. He wrote, probably wrote the, I don't know, what do you think? I don't watch a lot of spaghetti westerns, but the music that he used for Clint Eastwood, do you think that was an original piece that he quickly wrote up, or is it actually lifted from somewhere? It's possibly could have been lifted from somewhere. I'd have to go back and listen to it, I think, but I imagine it it probably would have been pilfered from another film. I would think so, just, just like the Godfather theme. Yeah. Um, and the Zadoichi theme that he yeah. that he uses there, he was trying to make something that sounded Japanese. Mm. It ended up sounding like when Americans try to make something that sounds Chinese, which I found quite fascinating. It, there's no meaning yeah. behind it. But the other thing that I love about the music in this movie is that he uses traditional opera orchestra music yes. for a lot of the hell scenes, and he uses it to great effect. And he's using it appropriately to add to comedic and dramatic effect. So he's pulling sources from everywhere, from all directions, east and west. It's very organic. Mm -hmm. It flows very well. And I think that the music is really, really good in this movie. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Unlike the sets or the... You know, costumes or the script, or I think the music is superior to a lot of the other elements of the film. Oh yeah, absolutely. And 
finally, as we're kind of starting to wind down now, mm-hmm. um, let's tell people who haven't seen this movie about the kind of sexiness that's in this movie. <laughs> no, no, it's it's not sexy. It's not sexy Yeah, at I all. thought sexiness <laughs> might be a little bit of a strong word for that. Yeah, yeah. It's silly. There's yeah. a lot of boobs. There's a lot yes, of there boobs. Is. There's a lot of nudity. Mm-hmm. However, it's not very sexy. No, not at all. It's clumsy. And and also the scene with the king and Emmanuel in bed. Apparently Emmanuel is trying to kill the king. Maybe make him have a heart attack or something like that. She's basically gonna fuck him to death. Yeah. <laughs> and and one of oh his, my word. And one of his attendants. I I don't know. It might be his doctor. I didn't recognize the hat or the outfit, so I wasn't sure what role this person had. But he is counting the vibrations, and that's in the dub, while they're having sex. He's counting them on an abacus. Yeah. And Emmanuel basically starts screwing the emperor so crazily or so hard that the abacus is no longer works, and he whips out a handheld calculator <laughs> to start counting these, quote, vibrations. Oh, and he keeps God. telling the king, oh, My lord, watch out, the vibration's up to 10,000 cycles. You better slow down, or you're going to bust something. And it's touching. And it's touching. And and when they show them having sex, there's no jumping up and down. He's sort of in a kind of cold way, sort of caressing her. It's kind of looks fake, not very. Yeah. It's not erotic, yeah. and it's not realistic. Not at all. You can tell he wasn't comfortable doing that in any way. And with this woman who is called Jenny, who plays Emmanuel. We come to the reasonable conclusion that she was probably a, uh, to put it uh, as as delightful as possible, a lady of the night. (laughs) In quotation marks. Yes, we'll we'll call her a lingerie model. This is not soft porn. It is not meant to be erotic. It's meant to be comedic. Mm -hmm. And it comes off as just awkward. Yeah, so really. there is sex, you know? You want to watch this with your kids and you're pretty puritanical? Well, don't do it. Wait till they go to bed because yeah. there are nude people in bed together. There are several kind of, you know, not very titillating little scenes of with women. Mm-hmm. Women are constantly throwing themselves at Bruce Lee. And, you know, so it happens, but it's, it's not very interesting. No, not in any way, shape, or form. So how many times could you watch this movie? How many times I gotta watch it? Well, since I bought the DVD, I've probably watched it maybe close to maybe hmm, a dozen times. You know, it's just it's oh one my of those. God, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, not at all. It's just kind of like one of those films that I kind of like. I'm in the mood to watch something really terrible and and kind of like maybe just take the piss out of. It's one of those films I kind of bust out when I, I I go to like maybe a, a house party or something like you know they're just like because we normally when we're at a house party we're like oh we'll watch something really shitty that we can make fun of and like I've got the perfect thing and I'll take it out and everyone's just kind of like you know if they, they don't know what to say it's just they the, they're in absolute shock sure. at, at, to what, as to what they're watching. You know, and it's like... Even I had a hard time understanding what I was seeing the first time I saw it. I was not sure what I was looking at. And and it was not <laughs> until I watched it the second time that I started to understand what I was seeing. The first time, I was in shock. Yeah. But that was a delightful shock. I've watched it probably four times, and I think the last two times were really to be able to make this episode. Yeah. I don't think that I can watch it 12 times. <laughs> I don't think I'll watch it again for a long, long time. 
time. I think I've watched it enough times to prepare for this to, to last me at least, a, I don't know, six months. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> if you're really a zany person, I think you could watch it over and over. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone who is not willing to be extremely flexible with their genres. Yes. This is a genre mashup. It's not for a hardcore Bruce Lee fan either. No. There's a lot, especially his infidelity to his wife yeah. is pretty shocking. Yeah, and is very uh, much a sore subject for a lot of fans. So, you know, it's, yes. it's not, I don't think it's something that would appreciate having a film making light of at all, really. And and making jokes about his dick. Yeah. I mean, I found it incredibly entertaining, but maybe not for the hardcore Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah. I suppose if you, if you are really into the clone movies and you haven't seen this one, I would recommend it right away, without a doubt. Oh yeah, that's probably the only time I'd make a, a very hardcore recommendation would be to a, a big clone fan. I would also recommend it to people who really enjoy comedies, yeah. especially things that are very wacky and off yeah. the wall. If you have a good working knowledge of Hong Kong cinema, as mm-hmm. well as movies from the 70s from the West, you're going to have a really good time with this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You need to look past the dub. You need to try to imagine what's happening if it's not cropped, because that really alters your perspective. But other than that, it's just so much fun. So yeah. Ultimately, it's a very, very entertaining movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I second that totally. And that's it. So remember to check out our Dragon Lives Again blog post. We have some really cool color magazine spreads and posters and a couple links for the movie to one of the more charming Chinese blogs. You can look at that. Mm-hmm. And that's www.onearmedpodcast.blogspot.com forward slash episode two, Dragon Lives Again. So that's about it for Dragon Lives Again. But what else have we been doing that's cool? What have you been doing, Steve? Well, on Facebook, I've started Beardy's Face, which is a page dedicated to Lungayan and the many strange and funny uh, facial expressions he pulls throughout his films. So if anybody wants to look that up and like it and, and post some images, then please do. I have to say it is heavily inspired by Yoon Bu's face, uh, which is uh, run by a friend of ours on Facebook, so I have to give full credit to her for that. And also, uh, as of recording this uh, on my blog, chopsticksonfire.blogspot.com, it is currently Shawgust, where every week throughout August I'll be posting a review of a Shaw Brothers film, as well as uh, anything else that springs to mind related to to Shaw Brothers. So, you know, please go on there and check it out and, and read what I've been posting up there. Our friend Hero over at aheroneverdies.blogspot.com, he started an interesting project where he got a whole bunch of people to make lists of their top 10 favorite Hong Kong movies. Oh yeah, I've been enjoying that, yeah. Yeah, and he's been posting those regularly. I made a list, Steve made a list, Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of people made a list. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, it was it was tough, you know, because you, you always find yourself like when somebody talks about the film, oh yeah, that's one of my favorites, and then when you actually come to like actually do a list of your favorites, you're kind of like, right, well, what do I put, you know? Yeah, one person, I think it was Phil Gillen, wrote as we were all in the initial stages. Phil Gillen wrote, "Great, I've gotten my list down to my top 100." Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was just so hard <laughs> to do 10. Yeah, and people were like, well, I've got to do a list for, like, Shaw Brothers films, and then I've got to do a list for non-Shaw's films, so, you know, it was it was difficult for people to try and whittle it down just to, to ten films, you know? Yes, that's, that's cheating to me. 
that they did <laughs> 20 instead of 10. But it's on the uh, heroneverdies.blogspot.com. He's he's a great reviewer, and he's got a lot going on, and he's really very interesting reviews, oh, yeah. really good oh, reviews. Very, very. And this list has been a lot of fun, so you can check it out there. And through making this list, you know, we were all kind of bullshitting around on Facebook about the lists, and I found out about this guy, Tim, from hongkongmovies.timchuma.com. So that's hkmovies.timchuma.com. MA.com. He has an entire webpage of Stephen Chow nose-picking references in movies. It's just <laughs> pictures of people picking their noses in Stephen Chow movies. Apparently, this is a request from people from Singapore. What? Right, oh, exactly. So okay. yeah, it, it has to... That's probably the most wonderful thing that I've come across in the last couple weeks. And he's got a lot of very funny things on his webpage as well. And we're going to put a link on the blog. You can check it out there. And we'll link Hero Never Dies also. Also, uh, coming up, we're going to have our Profile and Anger episode. Finally, very looking forward to uh, getting that out there. Because we're going to be doing a roundtable discussion with not only ourselves, but a few of our friends that are on Facebook. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, we're going to have some funny guests who are writers and bloggers and comedians. They're hilarious. They make me piss my pants laughing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And also we're going to have another Learn Movie Cantonese segment with Frank Chang, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And we're going to have a couple segments from guest speakers about various aspects of the movie Profile and Anger, which yes. has to be seen to be believed. Oh yeah, so the, the, there's going to be a lot of stuff in that episode, I yes, think. Yes, it's going to be super duper. And also, uh, we're going to be doing an episode on the venerable Anthony Wong. We're going to be looking at his life and career in the Hong Kong film industry, so we're going to be taking a, a long look at that, so it should be a lot of fun. He certainly is interesting and mm -hmm. wonderful. Cool. Everybody wants to one on Podcast is part of the Podcast on Fire network. You can find Podcast on Fire at podcastonfire.com and also at podcastonfire at googlemail.com. You can talk to the Podcast on Fire network on their Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash podcastonfire. Or you can check out the Podcast on Fire Facebook group, type in Podcast on Fire, request an invite, and admin will approve you soon after. Also, there's twitter.com forward slash podcastonfire. And at iTunes, you can subscribe to the entire network, rate, grade, and review, and download the podcasts on iTunes. And we're also on Stitcher, which is a streaming application for desktop and smartphone. Remember to check out our blog, and that's onearmedpodcast.blogspot.com. And we're also at twitter.com under onearmedpodcast. And our email address is onearmedpodcast at yahoo.com. So if you have anything to say, or you want to Twitter, or you want to talk to us, then feel free. Yeah, and also if you disagree with anything that we've stated throughout this podcast, then, you know, feel free to use as much salty language as you want. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Goodbye. Yep, that's goodbye from me. And have an awesome tomorrow. See you.